episode 158 of Board Game Blitz, a podcast about all things board games that you can listen to in less time than it takes to shuffle out of the church pews one row at a time after the bride and groom have left the room. Board Game Blitz is sponsored by Gray Fox Games. This week, we are talking about wedding games. First, we discuss a couple games we've played recently, Lord of the Rings, Journeys in Middle-Earth, and Cult Express. Then, we talk about board games that are fun to play at a wedding. And now, here are your hosts. Andy, Crystal, and special guest host. Before we get into the main episode, I have an announcement I'd like to make. If you don't know, I have been making a book, a children's book about board games. So I I have uh, a couple of toddlers at home and I like making songs and stuff. So I also made a rhyming children's book that I'm going to be trying to publish as a board book. I got uh, Rachel Kramer from Semi Co-op, the artist from Semi Co-op, to illustrate it. And I'm planning on kickstarting it in mid-July. So if you're interested in a children's board book, you can go to my website, ambivaldez.com slash boardgameday. Boardgameday is the name of the book. Um, There's information on the book there. There's also a Kickstarter pre-launch page, and I'll link both of those in the show notes. So yay, if you have kids that like board games or reading, um, then, then check it out. Yeah. And if, if some of you listening aren't like people who typically do Kickstarter, so you're not really sure how it works, the link Ambie's putting in the show notes to the Kickstarter pre-launch page will have mm. a little button on it that you can click that will say notify me on launch. And so then when Ambie does eventually launch the project, it'll send you an email. So mm-hmm. if you're interested in the book, but you're like, I don't know how Kickstarter works, go to that page and click on that little button and it'll basically yeah. just email you when it's live. So it'll give you that kind of helping hand. Yeah. All right, Ambie, what have you been playing recently? Well, this actually wasn't very recent, but I finished the campaign for Lord of the Rings Journeys in Middle-Earth um, a few months ago, I think. So This is one that you were really excited before it came out, yeah. and you were really excited when it finally did come out, and yeah, I'm very <laughs> then, curious to hear my your kids thoughts got now. Bored. That- but yes so lord of the rings journeys in middle earth was published in 2019 designed by nathan i hijack and grace holding house published by fantasy flight games i got it pretty close to when it came out it's a cooperative campaign game if you've played mansions of madness second edition it's kind of similar you're adventurers you each play different heroes and they have different skills and then there's an app that helps you assist so each scenario in the campaign is a different scenario and you have different goals but like there's a bunch of map tiles and the app tells you which map tiles to put down and what little like objective tokens to put down and then you can like move around and go to the tokens and you attack monsters and stuff but in Mansions of Madness, you use dice. In Lord of the Rings, you use a card deck. So you have like a deck of cards that you draw from whenever you do a skill check. And like the top right of the cards have success icons on them sometimes. And so that's how you know if you succeed or how many successes you do. But the cards serve a double purpose because they're also special skills. So like sometimes you you prepare the cards as a skill. So you can have them as, do a special thing if you use them. But like if you prepare it as a skill, then you don't have it as the success icon in your deck so that's like a trade-off there but i i really like that gameplay so when we had played it a few times back in 2019 we were like oh i like it and i like lord of the rings so we bought it and then we started like a campaign 
we started two different campaigns. I think we played it like four players a couple of times and then we played it two players, just me and Toby. And what's interesting is because it's app driven or the app helps a lot. Like it can change the campaign each time you play, even though it's like the same story, the scenario changes, like the map tiles change and stuff based on the number of players. And it's just like randomized enemies and map tiles and stuff so it's always different when you play which is pretty neat and i liked that so we played through a campaign for players in the last year and i i really liked it halfway through um it actually made my top three games in my when i did my uh, top 30 games that i played in the last 30 months i think <laughs> video mm-hmm. on youtube it was my number three because we were in the middle of the campaign we were just leveled up characters because like as you go through the campaign your characters level up you get new gear levels up and it's really exciting but then i realized oh there's only like 14 scenarios in the campaign and we're almost over <laughs> so then i got sad because <laughs> When the campaign's over, like, that's it for your characters. You can't play with them anymore. And there's no, you can't do, like, one-off sessions. It's just a campaign, and that's it. So if you want to, like, play with someone else, you just have to start a new campaign and just play at the beginning. You can't do, like, just one scenario that you want to play with level-up characters or something. Oh, that's that's a bummer. That was sad. (laughs) Like, I, I... wish there was some way to do that because i want my characters and and we also like our characters only leveled up once i think there's there's like uh, cards up to level four uh and and we only got up to level two (laughs) and we ended up losing the last scenario which was also a bummer because we had done like really well up to that point and then then we lost (laughs) this is a note for us for the future we should talk about campaign games in a in a future episode oh. because I would I would actually really love to talk about like what I think about campaign games and specifically that thing like what what mm-hmm. what should the last scenario in any campaign game look like? We're going to I'm going to put a pin in that and we're going to yeah, save I, that for a I future episode. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but yes, my main problem now with the game is that we can't do a one-off scenario. So like I don't know if we'll ever play it again. I think the group that I played it with does not want to play it again because they were getting kind of tired at the end of it and they don't like Lord of the Rings as much as I do. And I, I had painted the heroes of the game. It's like little miniatures. There's heroes and then there's like the bad creatures. I had painted the cave troll and that's it. And then like all the other bad creatures, I had primed them but haven't painted them yet. And I was waiting until a time where I would have time to paint them and then I never did. And so we like finished the campaign and I'm like, maybe I can paint them now, but then I don't know if we're going to play it again. So is it worth it painting them? Well, I might still do it just for fun. And and maybe I'll do like a solo campaign or something later. But I do want to see what happens if you win the campaign. Luckily, like you can you can actually restart the level that you lost, even though you uh, lost the campaign. You can like cheat and and replay from the beginning of the, the scenario on the app. So we can just like click through and see what happens in the story if we want, <laughs> which we might do. I think we kind of want to do that to, to see the story. But yeah, like because everything is in the app too, it, it keeps track of your leveling and stuff, which is nice for bookkeeping, but then you can't just like do a one-off scenario with characters that are leveled up because the app knows what level you are and what things you have so yeah it feels like there should be some kind of like a skirmish mode where it randomizes some items and some Mm -hmm. whatever that you can add into your deck right like that feels like it wouldn't be that hard to create in theory yeah i think so yeah so i I wish they had that i'm pretty sure they don't if they do have that then please let me know (laughs) and that would be really exciting but i don't think they do and it's been out for a few years now so um and there are expansions and stuff that we haven't gotten 
Oh, so maybe, maybe some of the expansions could add that feature in potentially. Maybe, but I feel like I think a lot of the expansions just add additional campaign stuff. And I don't even know, uh, like they have additional campaigns. I don't even know if those carry over characters or if you have to start over a new character. I think you might have to like start over a new each camp campaign. So yeah, <laughs> I don't know. But yeah, so that that's Lord of the Rings Journeys in Middle-earth. It is fun for, for a campaign like... The, the campaign was fun and I enjoyed that. I just wish we could play more like one-off games because you have to, you basically have to play it as a campaign and you can't just do one-off games. Okay. Yeah. You know, Ambi, the, the cycle of board game publishing sometimes moves pretty quickly. You know, a lot of co- games mm-hmm. come out every year and I'll admit sometimes somebody will tell me when a, a particular game came out and I'm like kind of shocked at how long ago it was. And that is the case for the game I'm going to talk about today. And that is Cult Express, which was a Spiel des Jahres winner. Do you remember what year that happened? Oh, what year? Um, I don't know. I remember playing it. So 2015 or 16, maybe? I don't know. Yes. So it came released in 2014, won the Spiel in 2015. But like... Um. When I think of Colt Express, I don't think it came out eight years ago. Like oh, that that's seems... eight years ago. Okay. Right? That's yeah, what I'm saying. Like, yeah. yeah, I know. 2015 feels like it was much more recent than it actually is. <laughs> but it's it's a game that like when it came out, I saw like the cool little 3D train car components and I heard everybody mm-hmm. talking about it. There was a lot of buzz. And I was always interested in giving it a shot and just never had the opportunity. And so now I have finally played Colt Express. So anybody who uh, screams about all board game content being cult of the new this is not <laughs> but i'm finally hopping on the train haha so to speak and i'm robbing it <laughs> so in cult express this is a programmed movement game where all of the players are bandits on a train trying to rob it and programmed movement basically means uh, in this game in particular you have a deck of cards every round you draw a certain number of cards and then the players will go around in turn order playing cards into a pile and depending on the round you might be playing cards face up or face down into the pile and some players also might have special abilities that will allow them to do different stuff there but everybody's seen what cards are getting played into the pile mostly and the cards in your hand are things like shoot punch move switch floors up and down on the train and also pick up loot from the train to steal it so there's lots of different options and you put these cards out one at a time into the pile in turn order and then once everyone has played the set number of cards for that particular round you take the pile and you one at a time those cards go off and if you've played any program movement games before like robo rally (laughs) for instance you know that like the best laid plans never go off the way well very rarely go off the way you intended them to because you'll say oh i'm gonna shoot that guy but that guy moved before you could shoot him and so now you're shooting at nothing or you're like oh i'm gonna pick up that loot but somebody shoots you and knocks you into the next car and there's no loot in that car so it's basically mayhem and chaos and silliness all the way around which most a lot of programmed movement games are like that honestly it's pretty fun I really, I really kind of enjoyed it. I don't know that it would have been my choice for Spiel, but that's not saying it's a bad thing at all. Like, it's a really fun game. And the Spiel is kind of intended to be like a family-friendly, approachable game. And I do think this fits for that. And actually, I'm going to look up what the other Spiel nominees were in 2015, because now I'm curious... Oh, okay. Interesting. So oh. in 2015, the three nominees for the main Spiel Award were Cult Express, Machi Koro, and The Game. I don't like The Game. 
Mm-hmm. I've never played Machi Koro, and I've just now played mm-hmm. Colt Express. So I guess technically, as of right now, Colt Express would be my choice. <laughs> but I think, I don't know if I would like Machi Koro or not. I know it's a, it's kind of, everybody likens it to Space Base and thinks Space mm-hmm. Base is better, and I love Space Base. But needless to say, Cold Express is a mechanically relatively simple game. If you're looking for high strategy and you get frustrated by things not going your way, this is not a game for you. But if you can go into the game expecting silliness and everything to go wrong and just to have fun with it, I would recommend it. And I actually looked up, it got re-implemented in a new game in 2020 that I have not played called Cult Super Express. And in that game, you're trying to be the last bandit standing. You're still trying to rob the train, I think, but the train cars, I guess, get removed one by one. And so you're trying to knock, I guess you're not robbing it. You're just trying to knock people off of the train. And truthfully, that sounds more interesting to me. I'm kind of curious to see if I can get a, get my hands on a copy of Cult Super Express, because I think that actually sounds like a little bit more fun. Like it, the mayhem plays into that more. Honestly, it kind of reminds me, like it'd be like a Western themed version of, oh my gosh, what's that game I own that I really like where you're walking the plank? Oh, it's called Walk the Plank. Oh man. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's just called Walk the Plank. Walk the plank. <laughs> But like, it's all programmed movement silliness and you're like, oh, I'm Mm going to shove somebody else into the water and then you end up falling into the water because they moved or something. Mm So I liked Cult Express. If you were like me and you were interested in it and you've never played it and you like silly, fun programmed movement games, I would definitely give it a shot. It's fun. It was designed by Christoph Rainbolt and published by Ludonaut and a whole bunch of other companies in different countries. Asmodee specifically is the biggest one there. So Cult Express. From 2014, I liked it. I'm looking at Colt Super Express pictures and they don't have like the 3D train. It's just cards. Wait, what? (laughs) So yeah, like that that was a big thing about Colt Express. It had like that cool 3D train. Although it was kind of hard to put the pieces, like it's kind of hard to move the pieces through in there because you're like going under the thing. And Oh, that's true. But still, yeah, like the 3D train is kind of what makes it like... Mm -hmm. It's got great table presence and it looks really interesting. But yeah, you're all right. I'm looking now and it is just cards. Although it is also very cheap, at least. Oh, that's true, yeah. Yeah, it looks like it's about a $20 game. So I bet the original was more expensive than that. Yeah, probably. All right. We recently asked our Blitzketeers to give us some ideas for show topics because, again, we've been doing this six years and sometimes it's hard to think of a topic. And Nick, good friend of the show, gave us a great idea. We're heading into summertime right now. And you know what happens in the summer for a lot of people? That's weddings. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I mean, I guess the weather's nice and that's why. But I live in Vegas. So when I think of summer, I don't want to go outside. (laughs) Yeah, so so Nick said that his friend was asking him about board games to play at their wedding. And I'm not sure if this will come out in time for, for Nick, but he already had some ideas. Uh, the idea is to have games to play for both the reception downtime and for those who don't want to dance because they need something to do when, when they're not dancing and everyone else is dancing. Matt, have you ever attended any weddings that had board games on the table? Uh, no. Have you ever attended any weddings where you wished board games were on the table? <laughs> Um, yeah, probably. (laughs) So, well, first off, are you a dancer? Like, if you go to a a wedding reception, are you the one that's, like, fully cutting a rug on the dance floor? I am reluctant to dance, but once I get out there, it usually goes pretty good. Nice. I love it. 
Yeah, I'm I'm that like complete dork that will do all of the like line dances and like any any song that tells you the directions, I will dance to basically. And I don't care how bad they are. Like the the Cupid shuffle is super boring. I'll still do it. I don't care. Like <laughs> Yeah, yeah. If they have directions then then I better, but like most of the times they don't. Yeah. I, a number of years ago, attended the wedding of some friends of mine from college, and they did a cool thing. It wasn't board games, but I think it's adjacent. After the wedding ceremony, they were going to go take pictures, and they sent all of the guests to the reception hall to hang out before they got there, and they knew there would be downtime. And so they actually provided coloring sheets on all of the tables, Mm. not just for the kids, but for everybody. (laughs) And I won't lie, I had a lot of fun coloring. (laughs) And so I had coloring sheets at my wedding. <laughs> yay! That's awesome. Yeah, it feels like a like a low-key fun activity for people who want it. But honestly, board games can be a really fun activity to do casually too. There's just mm-hmm. a lot of things to consider. Yeah. So yeah, my wedding was weird. We did not have dancing. We did have board games and a pinata and like big wits and waiters because we hosted that. So like <laughs> it is different from the the topic because our wedding was weird um okay I, we had... I know it's off topic but i have to back up to, to the fact that you had a pinata at your wedding <laughs> yeah. i made a rubik's cube pinata it was really hard to break and they had wow. to well because their... it's a cube so right like yeah. well and like i used duct tape <laughs> oh my god you like you like trolled your wedding guests basically <laughs> yeah. we also had giant jenga and like beanbag toss stuff. So I guess the board game that we had was Giant Jenga, which isn't probably good at a normal wedding because <laughs> that's going to be like big and falling down is kind of loud and dangerous. Well, and but if the, if the reception space. is outdoors, then you can theoretically... Yeah, it's outdoors, yeah. Yeah, we, we've talked about lawn games not too long ago in one of our past mm-hmm. episodes, and I think some of those would work well for an outdoor reception. Yeah, I've seen like cornhole at mul- multiple weddings. Yeah that, yeah, that works well. But like for... Ones that you just want on the table. Giant games would not work for that. (laughs) Because, yeah, I think for a more, like, normal wedding with dancing and stuff and then, like, tables of people and then you just want, like, small games on the table, you'll want, like, a small box game that fits on the table that people can just play on the table and they can play while other people are dancing. So it doesn't require yelling or talking, I guess, (laughs) much talking. (laughs) Because talking turns into yelling, right? (laughs) <laughs> right. Especially, yeah, if the music is loud or people are being rowdy, which, mm-hmm. you know, that's not unheard of at a wedding reception. People are having fun, making a lot yeah. of noise. So, mm-hmm. Matt, what games do you, or like what types of games do you think would work well at a wedding reception? I mean, I think you definitely need something that's light on rules or, you know, easy to learn immediately. I think you'd want something where it's got either very short rounds or something where people can duck in and duck out as they go right oh yeah that's a good point get something where you can get up dance get a drink whatever and then just drop out of a game for 15 minutes and then come back those would both be really important yeah i mean when you said that like i immediately thought of word slam because like while Mm -hmm. you technically do need to speak in that game it's actually kind of weirdly advantageous if there's some noise because while you're trying to listen for what the other team is saying if you don't hear it that kind of plays into the game as well because you're trying to theoretically like steal information from them secretly based on what they're seeing from Mm -hmm. their clue giver but word slam, you can literally, if you're guessing, you can just walk away and other people can handle it. Like, or if you want to hop in, it's super easy. So stuff like yeah. that really, or even like code names would work really well, right? As yeah, long a as lot you've of got... party games have, have that ability, I think. Yeah. 
Yeah, I yeah, think um, you, you could set up something where everybody gets a, a don't get got card at the beginning of the night. And then mm-hmm. if they just decide they don't want to play, it's like, you know, that's totally fine too. <laughs> Absolutely. And there will always, you know, I imagine be people who are like, yeah, games aren't my jam. That's not for me. But I think especially for people who don't want to dance, we're at a wedding where dancing is kind of a big thing. Or if they're introverted or nervous interacting mm-hmm. with people they don't know well, We've talked about a lot about how board games can kind of be social lubricant to some degree. And it's a little easier for some people to interact with strangers through the context of a board game. And so it actually might be a really neat way to encourage socialization outside of the people you already know. And who knows, maybe people will make some new friends that way, too. That's like a potential benefit. Yeah. Oh, another game I had at my wedding that what once again, it wasn't like at tables, but it was Telestrations. And that might actually work at tables too. Although the box itself is kind of big. You could probably just have like a notebook and rules for it because you can just play it. Um, eat poopy cat. You just do that one. <laughs> and yeah. yeah, you're just like drawing and writing whatever the thing is. But like for me, I did it in my guest book. Kind of. <laughs> <laughs> so I had oh people like when they sign in, they can do the next page. <laughs> and one, That's so funny. I, I had like three different guest books, one for a normal one and two of them to attempt telestrations. And one of the telestration ones actually went through. Nice. So that, cool. <laughs> that is really cool. And like that's I was well, before you said you did it in your guest book. I was going to say it would be neat it, instead of having like just one book at every table to have like mm-hmm. a singular book that got yeah. passed around to all of the guests. So really like that. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. You were talking about you know, giant games like Giant Jenga or even smaller games. I do think Mm -hmm. like what Matt said, the rules need to be either incredibly simple or really quick to learn, especially because in this scenario, it is likely or possible that you won't have the ability to teach everyone these games. You know, I can't, it's like, even though I like teaching games, it's hard for me to imagine standing up in front of a crowd of tables and being like, okay, everyone grab your board game from the middle of your table. And now we're all going to learn how to play King Domino together. Like that doesn't feel like the vibe is not right at a wedding for that to me. So it feels like dexterity games would be a really good category Mm -hmm. to dive into because most of them are really rules light or kind of obvious. I mean, like Loop and Louie, Loop and Chewy. You don't have to be yeah. a rocket scientist to figure out how that <laughs> game works. Like, you don't have to look at the rules at all. You can set it up on the table and people will figure it out. Like, oh, look, the token went away when he flew past it, you know? <laughs> Same thing with, like, Clask. If you, honest, I know Clask is not super cheap, but if you put Clask on every table mm-hmm. at a wedding, people will have a blast because it's basically tiny air hockey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Although that does take up a lot of table space. So, yeah, I'm not sure, like, how you would actually put it on all the tables if the tables are, like, also the dinner tables. I mean, it's, it can sit in the middle as the centerpiece. As the centerpiece? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I guess. And, like, you could paint, like, the sides of it, your wedding colors, and, like, make custom oh, wow. glass that, that, Yeah, that, I, that would be kind of pricey. Yeah, I guess, but I don't know how much centerpieces usually cost because I did not have a normal wedding. <laughs> yeah, I, I did not have a normal wedding either, uh, so I, I can't speak to that. But if you're going to, like, if you're going to pay money, here's the thing. If you're going to pay money for a centerpiece... I personally, for me as a gamer, would much rather pay money for a board game that then I could keep or gift to someone than for a giant bouquet of flowers mm-hmm. and like ribbons that will probably get thrown away at the end of the night, you know? Yeah, that would be cool though. Like a different board game for each centerpiece. 
Ooh. So like class for one and then like, I guess, Looping Louie for another <laughs> one and then uh, like a different cool, like cool looking board game for each one. Now um, I kind of want to tweet what board game would make the best <laughs> wedding centerpiece, not just to play the game or at a wedding, but like the what, best centerpiece. I mean, wait, Return to Dark Tower has to factor in here. I know you can't play that game at a wedding, but that tower would make a darn good centerpiece. <laughs> But you have to do like something that's the full board game because like with yeah. class, it's the full board game that fits. Um, right. But yeah, we're. <laughs> but yeah, on share your topic about it being easy to learn. I think that's really important because especially if you're the person getting married, you're not gonna have time <laughs> to tell people the the rules of a game. Yeah. So I was thinking also you could have like a quick start guide or something in the game so they they don't have to read the rules. So like if someone on BGG has made a quick start guide or a player aid or something like that or you can maybe if you know the game really well and can make a quick start guide yourself just have that in all the games so that people can just look at it and read like a few steps or whatever and then be able to play i think that would be helpful okay here's a question for both of you the three of us are i would say fairly hardcore board gamers like board gamers Mm -hmm. are you know like a lot of our friends are likely board gamers and so in theory at a hypothetical wedding like let's say we're all in attendance at this wedding right Do you think there would be value in having a table of board games, some of which were that were a little bit heavier, like something that really would benefit from having a teach and having dedicated people that you know are going to be at the reception, maybe from the wedding party or your friends and family have like a piece of paper on the top of the game box that says, you know, looking to learn a cool pirate game, you know, ask X, Y, or Z with three different names to teach you how to play ship shape. Or whatever, like mm-hmm. a, still a relatively light game. But like, if you don't want to read the rules, you could have in advance picked for like b- rules teachers. Is that too much for a wedding? Well, Is that too much? Then they do have to be prepared to be asked to teach. So I don't know. That might be asking a lot from your friends that are. Well, you'd ask them in advance, right? Like yeah, you'd be I like, know, "Are like, you like are you cool with this?" And it would give yeah. them the excuse to play those games. So I feel like <laughs> that's true. Yeah. So like if somebody asked me, if they want to, hey. Yeah. Yeah, do you want to teach King Domino or like some of your other, fa- like Space Base or something? I'd be like, heck yeah, I want to play those games at the wedding. Yeah. So yeah, I'll teach them. Or maybe you could have on the table like different categories, like these you can learn easily. And then like these ones are for more involved to learn. Yeah. So people can like pick which kind they want if they don't know. <laughs> That's a good call. Yeah, like having them categorized based on like weight or rules overhead mm-hmm. instead of just, I don't know, like... Yeah, because like dexterity games, for instance, like as a category, like there are some dexterity games that actually have a decent number of rules in them. Mm -hmm. Like junk art looks really cool on a table, but if you actually play junk art by the rules, there's a lot of stuff to go over. I still love it. But like junk art, I, in my mind, wouldn't work for a non-gamer group trying to learn it on their own Mm -hmm. in the context of a wedding. Yeah, because it would be harder to learn at a wedding with all the noise and dancing going on. Because then like someone's trying to learn it and then also trying to teach it to the other people. Yeah. Matt, are there any dexterity games that you think would work well for a wedding? Kabuto Sumo was the one that, that came to mind when you were talking about having Clask as a centerpiece. Ooh, Kabuto Sumo would make a great centerpiece. Yeah, discs may get launched everywhere, but I think at least at the beginning it would it would work great. They can't get launched. You gently push them. Like, there's no launching in that game. <laughs> Although I I haven't played with the expansion yet with the tiny wooden uh, folding chairs and whatnot. So who knows? Maybe it gets more chaotic. (laughs) 
Ooh, hamster roll would also be a good centerpiece. Ooh, yeah. It's a big circle. <laughs> yeah. Like I'm trying to think of the of, of other games that they used to have in that like dexterity area out at BGG yeah. that you like <laughs> yeah, so much. <laughs> yeah, like I know there's probably A lot of them others. are a bit big for the centerpiece. Ooh, the Pac-Man game. There was the Pac-Man themed yeah. uh, wacky wit, I think, or wacky something. That one would be good. And people know Pac-Man. For sure. And to that point, I do think there is definitely value in if you are going to have a selection of games for people to choose from and the group is not all hobby gamers, there's a lot of value in making sure you have some board game classics in there like Scrabble, Othello, Jenga, Twister, Yahtzee, mm. things like that, that people will already be relatively familiar with. I know we as hobby gamers, you know, if generally I'm going to pick almost any other roll and write over Yahtzee given the choice, but mm. Yahtzee still has some fun in it. Like, and uh, people would enjoy playing it and it's simple. So I do think even if you're a hobby gamer, you should definitely make sure if you are providing games at your wedding or an event, like you, you want to throw in a few of those classics too. Like, especially I think with... People, when people see something they're familiar with, it may make them more likely to try other stuff too. Or maybe they'll just stick with what they know. But as long as they're having fun, who cares? Well, yeah, with Yahtzee and other Roll and Rights, I think like Roll and Rights would probably be good in the like small games category that fit on the table. If you have a separate centerpiece, if you're not using the game as a centerpiece, just like have you want small box games on the table. A lot of Roll and Rights are small box games and then pretty easy to learn and each person just has a sheet of paper and the pencil right so they can just play it on the little table in their plate area because you're not going to have a lot of space on the table since it'll be filled with dishes and stuff so roll and rights are, are good for that absolutely yeah i think the other the other direction since you have right i mean at least if you're you're planning out tables you know how many people are gonna in theory be at one is to go get some of the like small box social deduction stuff like maybe um scapegoat could work you know, something that's light on light on rules and, and turns pretty quick. Absolutely. I do think social deduction games, especially lighter ones, could be really fun. Mm -hmm. It's just a matter of like, there are certain games like One Night Ultimate Werewolf, in theory, sounds good, but you have to be able to hear the app. Oh, and so yeah. if like everybody's got their eyes closed and you're, you're like all leaning into the middle of the table trying to hear the phone, theoretically. Although some wedding receptions are quieter than others, too. So mm -hmm. it is possible that that could work. Yeah. And also, like, a lot of the people will be dancing, right? So this is for the people who aren't dancing. So you want to have a variety of player counts because um, you don't know how many people will not be dancing. <laughs> I just had a, I, I had a, a flash of a horror story, or not a horror story, but the, the, <laughs> the dread of watching, of looking out at, like, 10 tables playing, uh, like, the resistance all at the same time and just the sheer amount of yelling. <laughs> Interestingly enough, Ambie and I recently got to play test a, mm. uh, a digital version, like a digital social deduction game, which I, are we, can we, are we allowed to mention it? Like, can we talk about it? We can talk about Probably. it, right? I think. Yeah. Uh, it, it hasn't been released. It's still in development, but it's called Trust No Bunny. And it, it bears some similarities to a lot of popular board game social deduction games. And I don't know about mm. you, Ambie, but I, I had a lot of fun with it and I'm really, I want to play it more. <laughs> Yeah, I had a lot of fun. I think I'd like it more at more players. Yeah. We only played it at five players and it felt like a little bit unbalanced to me at that low player count. I but, would agree. But yeah, like I think at more players it would be, I mean, it was a lot of fun and like it was online and you get to like talk in separate rooms, which was really cool because that's like a thing you can do online. Well, I mean, you could do it in real life, but you have to like move for that. But <laughs> so. Oh my gosh. The entire wedding party playing two rooms in a boom. <laughs> 
or not the party, the the reception, everybody, everybody playing two rooms in a boom. And like, yeah, like the dance floor is one area and then like the buffet is the second area or something. Yeah, I think that is not something that we would want to do because this is for... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> this is for during dancing. You don't want to force people to play the game. Okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Somehow uh, forced family fun doesn't, does it's not the right vibe either. Well, there are, I think a lot of games that would probably work well in this context, but I would love to hear from our listeners. A, have you been to a wedding that has had board games at it? And if so, what games were there? And do you think they worked well or not? Or B, what games would you want to see? If you walk into a wedding reception and sit down at the table and there's some board games sitting there, what do you hope is at that table? Just let us know on social media, all the usual places. I'd love to hear from y'all. And that's it for this week's Board Game Blitz. Visit our website, boardgameblitz.com, for video and blog content, as well as to get links to all our social media pages. This episode was sponsored by Gray Fox Games. If you missed the crowdfunding campaign for Last Light, worry not. Late pledges are available now on GameFound. And Blitzketeers also get 20% off non-exclusive items at greyfoxgames.com with code GFGBLITZ2022. Join the Blitzketeer community for game nights and more on Discord by following the link in the show notes. If you enjoy the show, please rate or review us on the Apple Podcasts or Spotify apps. And if you want behind-the-scenes access and an invite to our private site channel, visit patreon.com slash boardgameblitz. Our theme song was composed by Andrew Morrow. Technical support provided by Toby Mount. Until next time, gonna play a board game and we're gonna have so much fun. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye. (laughs) (laughs) I wish. See, this is the thing. The patrons get the unedited audio, but they don't get the look on your face when you, like, open your mouth and smile real big and look like you're about to speak and then nothing comes out. like oh i was just gonna start talking and then i'm like wait i should say like this is an announcement (laughs) (laughs) now for real (laughs) (laughs) or you so you think (laughs) stop laughing okay (laughs) (laughs) that doesn't help (laughs) i'm sorry Join the Blitzketeer community for game nights and more on Discord by following the link. Why can't I speak? Because <laughs> <laughs> there's an extra space there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sure. Blame it on the person who typed it up. <laughs> no, <it's, laughs> Join the Blitzketeer community for game nights and more on Discord by following the link in the show notes. See, I did it well that time. <laughs> <laughs> yep, okay. it was the space. The extra space between two words. That's, that's what caused space. it. <laughs>